Good hellos and welcome to episode 20 of my podcast, The View from the Crow's Nest. And I hit a bit of a milestone, two milestones in fact. Episode 20, so that's 20 continuous days, nearly three weeks of doing this podcast every day. And also I just crossed my 100th uh, listen, so 108 listens in total actually across um, the podcast places and also across YouTube because all my podcasts go on YouTube each day. So if you're any of those 108 listens, thank you very, very much. I massively appreciate it. And um, in fact, it's kind of going to be in part the subject of today's um, podcast, what I've been thinking about. So in terms of the work that I've been doing recently, um, I have been um, focused on my brother's project um, which has just launched, and also the Grip the Sky experience, which um, you've heard me talking about if you've heard the podcast previously. If you haven't heard the podcast previously, then it's um, it's kind of like uh, distracting my monkey brain. It's, uh, it's halfway between a journal for myself and um, something that might be either interesting or valuable for you guys listening. And it can go from me talking about homeschooling or world schooling through to business ideas, um, through to talking about my music or what have you. So it's not always going to be for everybody and not every episode is going to be the same or, um, you know, on the same subject or have a theme or anything like that. So it's kind of in the middle. It's a way for me to yeah, get ideas down because one of the things that I do with the podcast, I record it in an app called otter.ai and that transcribes everything that I'm saying and makes it very easy for me to be able to search by keyword. So my hope and my idea is that as the days go into weeks, into months, into years, I'll be able to track my thoughts and my progress and my ideas on things um, for my own interest as much as anybody else's. But of course, if you do find that interesting, that would be awesome. And hopefully I'll have some tricks and tips for you along the way. So yeah, not much to report on the work flex as it were um, recently except to say that the grip the sky experience is now very nearly finished in uh, mark one so next week it will be ready to be marketed and that's the next project for it which brings me on a loop back to the beginning mention of the 108 listens and the kind of theme of today's podcast of today's thoughts so knowing that i'm going to be embarking upon a big marketing quest with the Grip the Sky experience. Um, this kind of ties into a, a bigger idea, and that is very often businesses in any shape, and I'm classing musicians as I always do, um, and artists as businesses, because at the end of the day, if you wish to make a living from your art, then you are a business. You must think of it as such. So, so many businesses make the mistake of focusing on product and not on marketing. And this is probably one of the most common problems with a lot of businesses. People have a great idea or they've got an expertise in something and they start trying to sell that expertise and they package it up and they turn it into a product. Um, maybe they become IT consultants because they used to do that for a company and now they've gone solo through to, you know, anything and everything in between. People who open stores, physical stores or shops or restaurants. Maybe they're great chefs or they're good cooks. Um, what have you through to musicians and what happens is people create the products and then they think ah but I better do something with that and get it out there to people so they put it out there to people but generally in a way that's far less involved than it took them to create the actual product in the first place so 
I've talked about the 80-20 rule before, uh, Pareto's principle, and it applies just as equally to this as it does to pretty much anything in the world. And in this context, a lot of people, most, the majority of business owners put 80 or 90% of their efforts and resources into creating the product and then 10% into actually trying to sell it, trying to market it. And then they wonder why it's really difficult and it doesn't fly off the shelves as they hoped. And oftentimes it's got nothing to do with the quality of the product. What it's got everything to do with is the fact that they haven't got it in front of the right people at the right time with the right message. And so armed with a bit of failure to penetrate the market, they go, okay, well, obviously the answer is to create more product. And I would say, no, that's not necessarily the answer. The answer is to market a lot more. In fact, arguably it should be the other way around, 20% product and 80% marketing. So the Grip the Sky experience is my long-term, I've had this idea for a number of years and I just haven't got around to it yet, but obviously I'm nearly there now. It's my long-term idea to flip that on its head in the sense of most musicians I see create what I think or do what I think is a, a mistake and time will tell whether I'm right, but they'll spend a fair amount of time creating music, often in the form of an EP or even an album, um, and then they finish it and they're so happy to finish it, they want people to hear it and they upload it to Spotify. And the great thing is you can upload it to all the streaming stores for free. Um, if anybody's listening to this and they're not sure how, there's an app called Amuse. I think it's amuse.io. Um, I've used different services before, but Amuse is great. Really, really good. Mobile first. They've got really forward-thinking, clever business model. Um, and I think they're potentially a really strong, solid company to get with. But it's very simple. You download the app and then you upload your music through the app and then they'll put it onto Spotify, Apple Music, all of the stores, etc. And then they'll collect all the royalties and then they'll distribute it to you. And it doesn't cost you anything. I mean, I think they take a percentage of the royalties, but it's very low. So brilliant. Easy job done. So it's very easy to get it up there. The problem is it's not the difficulty in getting it up there. It's the fact that you put it up there and nobody knows it's there. So your royalties are pitiful. So this comes to the crux. If you already have an audience and the audience knows where you are and you can have other um, avenues to amplify that message, for example, you're already getting radio play, you're getting TV coverage. Usually it's because you're with a label or what have you. But if you're already getting amplification for your um, message, then yeah, sure. If you put it on Spotify, probably people are going to search and then they're going to find Spotify and go, brilliant, I'm going to listen to this. But for the vast, vast, vast majorities of musicians, and I'm going to extend that, the vast, vast, vast majority of businesses, people aren't searching for them specifically. They may have, in business land, they may have a problem that needs solving. I need a plumber. Let me find a plumber. Or in music land, they want to hear good music, but they're not searching for you. Nobody searches for a random artist name in the hope that they find a random artist name and then go on Spotify. What they might do, of course, is go on Spotify and just listen to random stuff and hope that the Spotify algorithm will put your music in front of them or, you know, some new music that they like. And, our, and Spotify algorithm is pretty good at that. But nonetheless, that doesn't mean that it's going to be your music if you're a musician. So I always use this analogy. It's put, just throwing it out on Spotify if you don't already have a fan base. is the equivalent of kind of writing, you know, on a few pieces of paper and going to the British Library and slotting it somewhere on the shelf and being like, brilliant. I'm an author and now I just wait for those people to read my, you know, read my writing. It's incredibly unlikely it's going to happen. So 
my thinking is that if that's you spend all this time, blood, sweat and tears to create the product, in this case music, and then you just put it somewhere that pretty much no one's going to hear about it. And then you sort of talk to your audience or in a lot of most cases I see, you kind of beg the audience, go, guys, I've just released my EP on Spotify. Go check it out. Go listen. But the problem is you don't have much of a relationship with this audience. And a lot of these musicians I see, and it's effectively, that's just the same as standing on a street corner and just shouting at people as they walk past. Go check it out. Go check it out. It's really, one, everyone's doing it. And two, it's not very interesting for the recipient. And I have friends who are musicians and I see their posts doing this. And I love these people. They're good friends of mine, but it doesn't make me want to check out their music anymore. So my thinking is, you know, flipping on its head. I have a, a bit of a background in marketing. I know how important it is to build up the fan base, um, the the data for my business. Um, when I was previously employed seven or eight years ago, the last time I had a job, I was with that company seven or so years and I built up database for that company and that made the process. I was in the sales team for selling advertising space in magazines and that made me quite successful in the company and helped build the company up. And because, you know, I understood that you have to create an audience, even if you're selling advertising space, you have to create an audience. So the idea of the Grip the Sky experience is that I'm creating something which has, you know, is, is quite an involved product, is more involved than simply just finishing the songs. And I'm not going to give too much away right this second, but I will do very soon in a future podcast. Um, but the idea is that the process becomes a lot more interesting, involved and interactive for the listener, not just go to Spotify and check it out. But actually something I put together is really unique and really cool. And I'm hoping that that will make the whole experience for people far more fun, such that they're like, this is great. I'd like to do it again. or I'd like to find out more about the artist or I'd like to follow the artist on social media, etc. Something I'm not going to do with it, which is probably against what I would have done years ago, is what they call gate it behind. Ah, if you want to listen to it, you have to give me your email address is the obvious one so I can build up my list. I'm actually going to do the opposite. I'm going to give it away for free, just like you do on Spotify. But there's going to be opportunities for people to pass on their details if they want to stay in touch, either through email or social media or what have you. So I'm kind of flipping it on its head. I'm very much focusing on the customer or the, in this case, because it's music, on the fan, you know, on the user experience. I want people to have a really good time and enjoy it. And I don't want there to be barriers to that. So I'm trying to remove all the friction, all the barriers and trying to make it as involved as possible. So what does this have to do with the, um, you know, the 108 plays that I've had of the podcast in 20 days or, um, you know, this looping about fan base? Well, I shall tell you after I've sipped this water. Excuse me, it's about 30 degrees today and hot, hot, hot. Um, so if you have followed me for a number of years, you might have seen that a few years ago I was very much more active. And I'm going back now about four or so years or something like that. I was much more active and I was building up my fan base. I'd built my Twitter following to about 50,000 people. Quite rapidly, I'd got my Facebook page likes to about 5,000. Um, my email list was up to about 5,000. I was doing everything right in terms of building a following and I was spending a fair bit of time also each day engaging. I was spending about an hour and a half, two hours every day replying to messages um, and I loved it. It was really, really good and I started getting some traction with what I was doing. But two things happened. One, I wasn't 
spending, ironically from what I've just said, I wasn't spending enough time creating new content, but two, and probably moreover, my business was taking off, so I was out often four or five nights a week working, and we, my daughter was um, more um, active because she was kind of about three years old, four years old, and my wife just got pregnant, and then we had our second, and that whole combination, I focused more on family, I focused more on work and building the business so that I didn't have to work four or five nights a week, and I let everything kind of slide on my um, my fan base side, and I went pretty quiet for a couple of years, and now I'm re-emerging, and I'm really focusing at the moment on quality over quantity, so for example, I'm not going to gate, as I said, the Grip the Sky experience uh, behind an email, because if people want to stay in touch, I want them to really want to stay in touch, not feel like they have to, because otherwise they can't hear something, um, and I'm really, as I've said on this podcast many times, I'm really grateful for the two or three or four people, whoever it is who's listening, you know, listening. I realise that the quality is so, so important and I want to have those as best as I can, those relationships with the people that are appreciating the efforts that I'm making and the art that I'm creating and hopefully finding value from it and being entertained by it and finding some things interesting. Um, so that's kind of my focus, but at the same time, I'm re totally re-looking at the marketing plan and I'm going to, in the same way that I've done the Grip the Sky experience in a, experience in a much more involved way to release an EP, I'm also going to do the marketing in a much more involved way. So it's going to be a, a lot more wide ranging and I expect, quote, I hope, that the result is going to be quite a, a rapid increase in, um, in the people that I'm reaching, in my followers um, on, tw on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook and I'm really going to do my best this time to stay engaged. The kids are now growing up. They're less, um, you know, as anybody who's had kids, they know the first two, three years are the most involved years. And then in some ways it gets easier, in other ways it gets harder. But in some ways it gets a bit easier after that. And we're coming out of that period or into that next period now, I should say, as Leonardo's three and a half now. Uh, Mina's four, uh, seven and a half. So, you know, definitely growing. Um, and my hope is that it's going to be the start of a blueprint that I can use for my future releases. Um, I'm working on an album, my first actual proper album called um, A Blind Eye to Love. And so the Grip the Sky experience is really a test. Um, and then I will amend and hopefully improve upon it for A Blind Eye for Love, a, um, Blind Eye to Love when it comes out a bit later. Um, so I will use it as a template for my future releases also releases that aren't necessarily music. Um, I finished my first draft of my first screenplay one night in Soho a few months ago. I'll be finishing the second draft and then working on the next screenplay um, soon enough and I will be using it also for uh, fiction novels. So for my art I'll be using this approach and I'm hoping it will be an approach that if it works it will be kind of self-fulfilling in the sense of um, I will be putting some money behind advertising in order to grow the audience and the hope is that through the advertising, I'll bring in enough audience, that enough people enjoy it, that enough people want to support me in the various ways that they can financially. There'll be merchandise. There's my lab, which is my private members club. Every week, every Thursday, I release a new um, piece of music content on there with a behind the, you know, behind the story behind it video. And um, that's really cool. I'm really enjoying that as well, getting a lot of uh, music to people that um, just wouldn't have heard it before. And there's other benefits to it, but 
So these are ways that people can support me financially if they wish to. And I'm hoping that I hit what is the golden goose. And it's something that I've wanted to do for years. And now I'm finally focused on doing, which is having a system. And this goes for any business, having a system whereby whatever you put in spend on advertising comes back to you at just over 100 percent. It could be 101 percent, 150 percent. It doesn't matter. What it means is for every let's say pound you put in, you get one pound and 10p back or one pound 50p or whatever. Obviously, the higher, the better. But nonetheless, so long as it's above what you're putting in, you can just keep running that and keep scaling it. So if you put a pound into advertising, you get one pound 20 back, you put one pound 20 into advertising, and then you get one pound 44 back or whatever it is as a percentage, etc, etc. So you're able to keep scaling and growing, and then it gets more and more rapid. So if this it grip the sky experience works in the way that I hope it does, then it will set the blueprint to really expand what I'm doing in the future and then to help other musicians and other businesses with this same idea because I'll be able to, in the same way I'm helping my brother with um, some web development skills and whatnot, I've just very quietly, in fact as of today, um, opened my agency Audience Ninja, which is again something I've been thinking of for years um, and I'm looking to put a team together for that. Um, and that's going to offer digital services, basically marketing and digital services um, for businesses and for people, but normal people, you know, people who just want to get stuff done and don't really want to be confused by all the jargon and the silliness that's out there that I see all the time. And I've helped clients before. I've built websites for clients. I've consulted on marketing. I've spoken at events on marketing. So I've got a bit of knowledge for it. So this is all kind of congealing and coming together into, uh, you know, into this kind of I don't know, perfect storm so to speak you know the grip the sky experience and uh, audience ninjas coming together etc so all of this is moving in the direction of as I say growing growing an audience and growing and growing the business and getting recurring revenue in and really taking it seriously and then I'll be able to focus a lot more on just creating art more music more writing more photography um and that's obviously the, the goal, you know, that's the goal. So I share this, as I say, as a journal for myself to see where my thoughts are at. And also in some parts it might be interesting, in some parts it might be fun for you guys listening. But it all leads to one place. And this is the final thing I will say on my big rant rabbit this evening. Um, in thinking about building a big followership, my focus has always been on getting the data, the email address or what have you, and um, you know, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I've never really been that focused on simply getting likes, page likes or what have you, for example, on Facebook, because I think they're a bit of a, what's called a vanity metric. Unless you're actually doing something, unless those people are actually taking action, then it's not really helping so much. If these people are sharing, that's amazing, then yes, that's helping. But simply liking a page with one click it doesn't really do too much necessarily. That's what I was thinking previously. But I'm now revising my thoughts because I'm looking at it from a different angle, which is the perception, not necessarily the, the value of having people like your page with and because of the audience. Although, of course, the more people who see your posts, the more people who might interact with your posts and therefore the better. But from a different angle, and that angle is that public perception and industry perception is heavily swayed by things like social follows. So to give you an example, I know for a fact that Radio 1, which is the biggest or the, the main radio station in the UK, the supposedly trendiest one, BBC Radio 1, 
when they're deciding who goes on their playlists, some of the questions that they'll ask is what's the, how many followers have they got? And this can make a difference between playing one artist and not playing an, another artist. Um, I was reading recently reports of the same thing happens for actors, amazingly. Studios are going, well, what sort of followers do they have? Because this can, you know, between two different people. In fact, Sophie Turner, the girl who played, um, I think it's Sophie Turner, on Game of Thrones. Um, uh, the Stark girl, my goodness, I can't think of her name, not Arya. The other one. It's like my favourite TV show and I can't think of her name. Um, anyhow, um, I can't think of her name. But anyhow, she said that she went for an audition and there was another actress who she thought was quite a lot better and better suited to the role, but they said that they were giving it to her because she had a much bigger following on social media, um, which she didn't think was fair, but that's the state of the world. So, And it's true, if you look at someone who's got a million followers, you think, wow, OK, they've obviously done something right, whatever it is. And so... My thinking is that goes for the professional circles as well. It enables you to sidestep into a different industry or open the door to an opportunity because of the followership. So whereas previously it wasn't such a concern of mine, it's going to be something that next week when I start looking at the marketing plan for the next few weeks that I'll be looking at and setting up for the Grip the Sky experience, that will be um, you know, quite forefront of my mind as well, not just getting the engagements, not just getting the shares, which I talked about in previous podcasts, that you know having people share is actually arguably more important than having people buy, certainly at the beginning as well, when you really need to get your message and get your art and your content and your product in front of more people. So certainly engagement, one-on-one -on -one engagement is something that I'm really going to be focusing on. I want to hear from comments, I want to speak to people, and that's always going to be there, and I don't want to change that. Um, Obviously shares, I want people to share, but also to follow, to build that up. And um, in time, and this is to be the benefit of this podcast, that in years I'll be able to search back and go, oh, OK, this was the plan. In time, I'm hoping to be able to leverage a, a bigger followership in order to open up opportunities in film or opportunities also in music as well. For example, um, a few days ago, I was listening to a radio station in Italy, an FM radio station called Radio Freccia, and it's brilliant, really, really good. It plays rock and blues um, from, you might hear, you know, you might hear Shine On Your Crazy Diamond full in one song, and the next song might be a brand new release from DC Fontaine's or Fontaine DC, some Irish band who's um, very current at the moment, who's got this cool track. Um, you know, it really moves about, but it's music I absolutely love. And it's an FM station. You know, you could, I heard Stairway to Heaven yesterday all the way through, and I promise you, you just don't hear that stuff in the UK. Anyhow, one of the songs I was listening to, I was like, this is a really good song. And uh, it's from a band called Ruse, R-E-W-S, a new band. Um, female singer, great drop in it, about two and a half minutes in, a brilliant riff, a really cool song. And so I checked them out, and I was amazed to see that they've got pretty much no... Yeah, very, very low social media following. And they're signed to Marshall Records, which is the records ring of Marshall, um, Marshall Amps. So I followed them on Twitter and I think I, I, I tweeted, uh, I mentioned them in the tweet when I was saying, hey, guys, you should check out this song. It's really cool by this band, blah, blah, blah. And they responded, which was really cool. And um, we had a little chat back and forth and then they're following me and now they've you know liked a few of my tweets and what have you. And it's made me realise that also a tangent on this followership and this tactic which I'm going to try and uh, see if I explore and see if it works. And that is 
um, a future tactic that if I can demonstrate that I have the ability to grow a large followership through my agency audience ninja, for example, which is where I'm going to be channeling it through, then that gives me the opportunity to speak to, let's say, this band or any other band who doesn't have such a large followership but does have a connection to a label, they're signed to a label. Um, so it gives me the opportunity to step in and say, hey, listen, I can help you here. I can help you grow your, your um, fan base. And of course, if I'm able to do that, then that's a direct link into the label who then might go, oh, we've got other artists we'd like you to work with, etc." So it dem it's proof of concept or it's a demonstration, a proof that it works. So that's one area. And the other side to that coin is if you've got a big followership yourself, as I hope to be able to build, um, as a songwriter, I want to write my songs and I also want to collaborate with other artists. And my thinking, again, is that if I can go into a, to, to contact an artist and say, listen, you're signed and you've you know, got the ability to get songs cut and released, but you don't have a big social following. I have a very big social following, but I don't have the ability to get songs cut and released. We can work together. So these are the kind of things that I'm thinking about at the moment. And whether they come to fruition or not, we'll see. But this is part of the reason for this podcast is to note it down, is to share these ideas if anybody else wants to use them. And also, as I always say, to see in the future whether this is the route that I took or this was my thinking. It could change in the future or I might succeed and do exactly this in a month's time or a year's time. Who knows? But that's the uh, whole fun and games of life, really. So that's my very long winded podcast for today letting you know where my brain is at, the sort of things I'm thinking about. And by you, I also mean me. And on all of those notes, as I always tie it off, if you are about on Twitter, come and say hello. I am at Romeo Crow, and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you liked, what you didn't like about what I'm talking about. If there's anything you want me to cover more, if you've got any questions, if you want to collaborate, who knows? You know, so I hope you come and tell me. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are in the world. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. Thank you very much and toodles.